Today on this Mother's Day, I want us to look at and focus upon the most beloved mother of all time, and that being Mary, the mother of Jesus. And specifically this morning, we're going to note two things that uh, are important to mothers today, to parents, also to grandparents. This will help from uh, Mary's perspective. Understanding parenting will help our own. So you join with me this morning. Uh, the two patterns that we will see in Mary's parenting are these. Firstly, the miracle of God's handiwork. And secondly, the moving of God's hand. First of all, the miracle of God's handiwork. Follow with me, please, as I read uh, Luke 1, verses 26 through 35 out of the New Living Translation. Luke 1, beginning in uh, 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. And you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Now to say that uh, the news of Mary's pregnancy of her new baby was a shock to her would certainly be the uh, greatest understatement of all time. Because when Mary received this news from the angel, she, the Bible tells us that she was confused, that she was scared, frustrated. She didn't know what to think. She knew that she was a virgin. She knew that she was engaged to an, a man, and this was not his baby. So how could all of these things happen to her in this short of a time? She posed the question then to Gabriel in, uh, in Luke 1.34. She asked the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And Gabriel responded, because the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and in your womb you'll carry the Holy Son of God. Stunned, uh, yet uh, exhilarated at the thought of her carrying a baby, and this being the Son of the living God, 
when she was given this news, though uh, mystified by the whole experience, Mary began to realize a, an important fact in this moment that would dramatically change the rest of her life. She realized that the baby now she, that she carried in her womb was indeed a gift, a miracle from God. Recently, I did some research into uh, the birth of a baby, and some of the things that uh, I, I read just caused me again in a new way to understand the true miracle that birth is. For instance, we all know that we began life as a one-celled organism in our mother's body. And when that one cell is joined with a cell from our father, then a brand new cell is then created similar to, yet unlike any other cell that has ever been created for all time. At that point, we're so small that we are invisible to the naked eye, and yet we possess 23 pair of chromosomes, 100,000 genes, and 3.5 billion points of contact. Incredibly, at that point, we are able and have all the instructions necessary to be a complete, soulful human being. Almost immediately after fertilization, this new cell then begins to replicate itself. Following a few days of rapid multiplication, the body begins to form. Bone begins to be created. Blood is made. Nerves Muscles and tissue uh, are all being produced. And soon thereafter, that single cell, uh, similar to but unlike any other ever created, soon that single cell becomes a living baby made up of a hundred thousand, I'm sorry, one hundred trillion cells and is capable of sustaining life on this earth. And with now 7.8 billion people uh, walking this planet, no one will have the same DNA, no one will have the same fingerprint, but all of us have the mean body temperature of 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. There was no doubt that the baby Mary carried was a gift from God, was a miracle in her body. But then, so is your baby. So is your grandbaby. Each baby received as God's gift to you, to your family. 
Psalm 139 tells us that in the birthing process, in the forming process, in the uh, incubating time, that the Spirit of God hovers over that cell. And that, and that the hand of, hands of God began to knit together the person we are, the person your child, grandchildren. God intentionally knit them together and gave them as a gift to you. That's why it is of supreme importance that we never, ever lose this backdrop to our children. There will be times when your child is so cute, uh, reach on top of their heads and you, you feel that halo. And that the next moment they can be so bad that that halo has been removed and a set of horns begins to grow. And yet, through it all, the baby years, toddler years, childhood years, teenage years, and into adulthood, through it all, that child has been gifted to you, that specific child to you. Just as Jesus was Mary's particular individual gifts from God, so are our children unto us. And we can never, ever lose that perspective that God in His sovereign plan form-fitted that child to me. That son, that daughter to us. And God did so, so that he could work through our lives to love that child as he would. To be caretakers of that child to speak into that child's life to help carve and craft that child but also so that that child would be able to speak into our lives from the lips of children there will be times when God will use our children your child powerfully in your life in fact, it may be happening now. And you may say, yeah, but all of that is in the negative. It's powerful, all right, but it's all in the negative. <clears throat> that may be the case. Uh, we all go through periods like that. But we can never allow the enemy to take from us that God-given origin that God-given intent that God has given us, this child as a gift, a miracle, a blessing, 
And he has given that boy and that girl to me, to you, to us. In particular, that he might use us to bless and work in their lives and use them at times to speak into us. We can never let that go. But not only did Mary see the miracle of God's handiwork in her son's life, but she also took note of the moving of God's hand upon his life. Joseph, Mary's husband, Jesus' earthly father, had taken his family to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Jesus is identified in this story as being 12 years old. We're told that after uh, the celebration of Passover, that it came time for the family to leave. And so Mary and Joseph with their other children and with probably a much larger group of uh, family and and, uh, friends then began their journey uh, leaving Jerusalem. However, we're told that when they had gotten about a day's journey away, suddenly someone realizes that Jesus is missing. They would go to Joseph and Mary, have you seen Jesus? Have you seen your son? Well, you you know, come to think of it, I haven't seen him. So they begin to ask around and whispers go throughout the crowd. Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? Friends are passing uh, the the, the news on. Family begins to uh, panic a little bit. Where is he? Where is he? And soon they realize that he's not there. And so Mary and Joseph have to turn around and walk that that day's journey back. And then it was three days before they found him. We're told that when they did finally find him, that he was sitting among religious teachers listening to them and asking questions, astounding everyone who heard him. Mary and Joseph didn't know what to think. We're given the uh, uh, blessing uh, to view now that, uh, that ongoing situation from heaven. So let's Tune into their conversation in Luke 2, verses 48 to 52. Son, Mary said to him, Why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search? Jesus asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Luke 2, 48 to 52. So what we see is 12-year-old Jesus is mystified at his parents' reaction. He He doesn't get why they are upset or worried, but we're told that he then went with them 
obediently following them. But there is one phrase in this story that I want to point out. It's in verse 51b of Luke 2. The phrase is this, that Mary stored all of these things in her heart. In other words, she is in context of 12-year-old Jesus. They've now come back to find him, worried about him, find him in the midst of the uh, religious teachers at the temple talking and sharing, asking questions. People are astonished by him. And as Mary connects with Jesus, all of it begins to sink in. He is the Son of God. There is something very special about my son. This is not an ordinary situation for a 12-year-old. There is something very special about my son. Now let's go in reverse. Uh, Let's back up in Jesus' life. Twelve years before that, literally at the time of his birth. Jesus born in Bethlehem, the city of David, there in that cave area at the inn. And soon after his birth, these old smelly, stinky shepherds show up. And they are jumping up and down, full of excitement, telling the story about a star and and angels from the sky and, and, and directions given to the birth of Jesus. And as they are uh, telling this story, uh, all those who could hear again were just astonished at what they were saying. But look what Mary's response is. In chapter 2, the book of Luke, in verse 19, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and pondered them often. First, she stored them in her heart. The word store literally is translated to keep, and then, and then a preposition is added to intensify. She kept these things into her heart. She took these things into her, her heart, and now we find that even earlier, Mary had seen these odd circumstances that spoke to her again about the wonder of her son, and she took it all in, and she pondered, she thought about these things, literally, she thought about these things often. And then 40 days after his birth, we find another situation where we're told that both parents took in what was being said, and were amazed. We're talking about uh, Jesus um, at the temple when his parents took him there to uh, continue the uh, rites of purification, the fulfillments of the requirements of the laws of Moses. And Simeon was 
the man who met Mary and Joseph and Jesus at the temple that day to administer some of these rites. And uh, Simeon was an old man at this point, but he was a godly man, the Bible tells us. And Simeon uh, had been promised by God he would see the Messiah before his death. And so, and so sovereignly God brings these two together and uh, Simeon begins to bless uh, Jesus and begin to say uh, all of these uh, prophetic things over him. And as he did, Mary and Joseph were both just stunned. They were just amazed at the attention, the blessings, the hand of God upon their son's life. And so we see this thing about Mary, that this, the, these patterns in her life that relate specifically to her son. Mary is clearly observing her son's life. She is taking note of the unusual things that happen. The unusual things that he says. The, the uh, outside of the box events, circumstances that take place in his life. And it's like she's putting the jigsaw uh, puzzle together piece by piece with gaining and gathering instruction and understanding about her son's life. She studies her son as he grows. She thinks of these things often. And I know she did this for two reasons. She did it first for her son. Jesus being fully God, but also being fully man, he had to have dealt with some wonder, some doubts, some questions as he grew up embracing who he was. And don't you know that his mother Mary would come to his side and say, Son, you, you know, you, you, you may have questions about all of this right now, but let me tell you what we have seen God already do in your life. To encourage him as he grew. But I also think she did it for herself. Because in that day of the crucifixion. What kind of strength could help her endure that? It would have had to be that she knew. God's hand was upon his life and that he was the father's son. I remember one night when my daughter, who is a perpetual 29, was in the eighth grade. And back in, in Whitesboro, Texas, uh, where we were, we, we got more ice than we got snow or any other type of precipitation. And, 
And uh, so it was something that we were, you know, getting accustomed to. But on that day, uh, school was out, and my daughter slipped and fell on the ice, and she broke her leg in two places. Well, I, I heard her cry out, and uh, so I ran over there. I picked her up, and I carried her home. Uh, we took her to the doctor, and uh, he identified, you know, the breaks in her leg, and he and he gave her something for the pain. Well, uh, it it apparently wasn't enough because we stayed up all night long with her just in just crying because her leg hurt so badly. So in the morning, then I took her to the emergency room and told them what had happened. And so they gave her a different pain medicine. And so we went home that night and uh, again stayed up the entire night long because this medicine made our daughter sick. And so she would alternate between crying because her leg hurt too much and throwing up. Uh, the medicine. So, <clears throat> uh, needless to say, it was a difficult couple of days and nights in there. But the thing I remember most about that uh, experience was this. On that second night, when my daughter was so sick and hurting so badly, and she was crying, and she couldn't rest, she couldn't sleep. I, I put my arm around her, and I said, Sweetie, let me tell you about one time that God really took care of you. And I told her about a time when she was about four or five, and she was having a succession of what we would call these night terrors, and they were bad dreams on steroids, and she would just scream, blood-curdling scream uh, as soon as she woke up. And after, I don't know, three nights, two, a couple nights of that, I, I, I got angry. And I got angry at the enemy for attacking my daughter. And I went in and I began to pray for her. And I, I, I begged God to build a fortress around my daughter to keep the enemy from harming her. And she has never had, she never had another one of those night terrors after that. And we're sitting on the bathroom floor. This is the second night. And I have my arm around my daughter. She's sick and hurting. And I tell her that story and I said, sweetie, God is gonna, God is gonna work this in your life. God is gonna help you through this, I promise. And when I told her that story and how I had seen God work in her life and other times, she began to relax. She began to get lighter and she just laid her head back on my shoulder and after a while went to sleep. <clears throat> Parents, you can be the most powerful spiritual impact your child will ever have. And that is by speaking what you have observed 
as God's hand upon them and reminding your child of that. And then when you go, when you, actually when your child goes through trials and it hurts so badly, remembering those moments, those points, those times of God's intervention will help us as parents as well.